Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. This is a talk from our Central London service. To find out about upcoming talks at each of our services, or to listen to other talks, please visit ChristchurchLondon.org. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and a very happy Christmas to you all. Uh, a particularly warm welcome if you are a visitor here this afternoon. If you don't normally come to Christchurch, we're thrilled to have you here. And I should say, too, a warm welcome to those of you from the East Service or from the Covent Garden Service who have joined us as well. It's great to have you here. I hope you're looking forward to Christmas. Uh, I certainly am. I love this time of year. Uh, I love the lights. I love the way the shops look by next weekend. Our family home will be starting to fill as the children come back. Christmas Eve, my father arrives. Christmas Eve evening, we have friends joining us. Christmas Eve is a big deal in the Strad household. We all dress up and we do a great meal together. And then somewhere towards midnight, we open our stockings. I still get a stocking. No one is ever too old to get a stocking, in my opinion, on Christmas Day or even on Christmas Eve. Uh, Christmas Day... We have the whole of my family coming. We are cooking for 25 people. Thank you. Pray for us, please. I believe in miracles on Christmas Day. Uh, Christmas uh, Boxing Day, we're going down to Philippa's family. And then, actually, we're into the favorite part, my favorite part of Christmas, which is those days between Christmas and the New Year where I can forget even what day of the week it is. It's so relaxing. And then New Year's Eve. And I'm a born optimist and I love to think about the future and the goals that we can set and the things that can be different. And so we get into New Year's Day and we're into 2019. It's going to be, I trust, great fun. I wonder though whether you, I hope you're looking forward to it, and I wonder whether you noticed that in my rendition of what is to come, I didn't mention at all the real meaning of Christmas. And I know it's been said many, many times, but I think it's true that it's easy to get through this festive period without ever thinking more deeply and asking what this is all about and asking, has Christmas got anything to say or to do with the world that we live in and our lives? And I think if ever it's worth thinking about these things, it might be worth thinking about this Christmas because it seems like we've got more than our fair share of problems as a world right now, doesn't it? And it feels like we're more divided than we've ever been. And so I want to just take a few minutes, and I promise you it's just a few minutes, to help us think a little more deeply. The world's more divided or feels more divided than it's ever been. You only need to go on Facebook and people are using a tool that was meant to put us all together to share atrocities that they filmed live that I don't even want to mention at a service like this. Or you go to Twitter and it seems to be a pit of abuse. Or you read the news online and you're not sure whether it's fake news, good news, or somewhere in between news. Four out of ten of us, it is said, have suffered some form of harassment online. Has the Christmas story got anything at all to say about all of this? 
So this Christmas, I try to approach the Christmas story and read it with fresh eyes. It's hard when, you're so, when it's so familiar, but I try to see it as if I was reading it for the first time and see whether it had anything to say to our current moment in time. And what I was struck by was that so many of the heroes of the story are actually those who would have been outcasts in first century society, that actually this story had a revolutionary or at least a subversive feel to it that we entirely miss with our carols and our delightful nativities and our beautiful readings from Elizabeth and so on and so forth. Let me just mention three of the heroes. We start with a woman, Mary, who brings the Son of God into the world. Now, for us, we're so familiar with it, it's like, no big deal, it's Mary, of course it is. But the rabbis of the time would pray a prayer. Thank you, God, that I'm not a dog, a Gentile, or a woman. So that is how the religious elites viewed at least half of the human race. To have a woman carrying the Son of God was revolutionary. And then we have the wise men. We think of them as smart or searching, but they were also Gentiles, the second category in that prayer. They were foreigners. They were other. And if you were a good Jew, good Judaism was defined by those that you related to, and more importantly, those you didn't relate to, and you didn't relate to wise men from modern-day northern Iran. They were outside the boundaries of what was acceptable. So you had those that were outcast because of their gender, who seemed to be at the heart of the Christmas story, those who were outcast because of their ethnicity, who were right at the heart of the Christmas story, and then you have also those who are outcast because of their social status. If you were a parent in first century ancient Near East, there's one profession you would not want your child to grow up and to do, and that was be a shepherd. If you were at Christmas drinks and you were a shepherd, there's one question you didn't want to be asked. So what do you do? Shepherds were seen as dirty, untrustworthy, violent. They were right at the bottom of the pile. So Christmas, this story of God giving his most precious gift to mankind, is a story where those who are outcasts, whether because of their gender, ethnicity, or social status, are brought right to the center of things. And they're welcomed. How can we, this Christmas, live with harmony amongst all our differences? Well, the Christmas story first says that people are more important than what they believe. That we can treat people well even when we disagree with them. Probably the most famous example of this is Christmas Day 1914. It's so famous that a supermarket made it their Christmas ad a few years ago. Many of us know the story. The Allied trenches are only a couple of hundred yards from the German trenches across Flanders as the First World War is underway. The wind is blowing in the right direction so that the Allied soldiers can actually hear the Germans talking and laughing, and then, to their surprise, they start to hear 
them sing Silent Night, Holy Night. At some point between that song being sung and the next morning, at points at least, not everywhere, but at points on the Western Front, officers spoke to officers and agreed a day of peace on Christmas Day. The next morning, soldiers started appearing above the trenches without guns in their hands, somewhat tentatively at first, but then with increasing confidence as no man's land became filled with unarmed soldiers. Initially, they went about the somewhat grisly business of moving their dead and injured friends and colleagues and burying them. Once that had been done, they started to talk to their opposite numbers and even exchange gifts. German beer for British cigarettes. German cigars for British canned beef. Once they had talked for a while, their limited ability to communicate because of the different languages meant that rather than talking together, somebody kicked a football into everybody. And a football match began. This is not, please don't think 11 against 11. Think more 70 against 60. The worst piece of news this Christmas Day was the result was, as it normally is when England play Germany, and the Germans won. But of course, in and amidst all of that, there is this sense, well, that's what should happen on Christmas Day. People who are at odds with one another should respect each other's humanity. But of course, you ask, well, how? There is an advert this Christmas from a particular online firm, which is boxes with mouths and there's a song. The whole world's coming together now. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? Well, I have to confess I can't. And I don't really think that simply shopping at the same website is going to do it. So how? Well, a friend of mine had an opportunity a while ago to speak to one of the world's experts on this question. My friend, Arthur Brooks, a Christian man, spoke to His Holiness the Dalai Lama. Now, the Dalai Lama is an expert on peace. In fact, he's been given the Nobel Peace Prize. At 22, or in his 20s, he was forced out of his homeland, Tibet. Communist China invaded Tibet and sent the Dalai Lama and many others into exile in India. But instead of vendettas and vindictiveness, or even trying to build an army to reclaim their land, the Dalai Lama has invested his life in peaceful ways of trying to renegotiate difference and difficulty and even invasion. And so Arthur has the opportunity for one-on-one -on -one conversation with the Dalai Lama, and he says to the Dalai Lama, he said, sometimes when I disagree with people, I find contempt in my heart. What should I do? And the Dalai Lama looked at him and he said, you should pray for them. He said, that is what I do. <laughs> and Arthur said, okay, you got any other advice? He said, you mean you pray that the Chinese leaders will give your land back? And the Dalai Lama said, no, I pray that they may have happy lives and happy families. 
And Arthur said he couldn't get away from the fact that this Buddhist monk was teaching the Christian a principle that is throughout the scriptures and throughout the gospel story, that we should forgive those and love those who we disagree with. But the same question still haunts us at this point in time, like how? To give that sort of love requires that I receive that sort of love first. And how can I do that? And this, of course, brings us to the heart of the Christmas story. The angel says to Mary, his name shall be Emmanuel. Jesus shall be Emmanuel, and he will save his people from their sins. What are our sins? Our sins are all the things that you and I have done wrong, many of which, of course, we regret, but also all the things that have done to us or happened to us from others that are also wrong. The Christmas story is that Emmanuel, God with us, comes to rescue us from the very sorry state that humanity has got itself into. And that starts with you and me. Bono said, I can't change the world, but I can change the world in me. And now we're at the nub of the whole thing. God sent Emmanuel, God with us, to show us the way of love and to come to literally live with us and in us so that if we would follow him, reorientate our lives to follow Emmanuel, then we become full of love. And we have love to give. And so this Christmas, whether the difference is at your Christmas dining room table or whether it is with the politics that you hear on television or the ways that different people approach world crisis, we can find that Emmanuel is with us and we remember that people and what they think and believe are different things and we can learn to love people because we find God has first loved those that are on the outcast because of their ethnicity the social outcast the foreigner and of course you and me and we're going to listen now to Elizabeth sing a song to us which is both taken from an Old Testament psalm and it says in it, deliver Israel. Well, you can apply Israel to us. Deliver us. And there's this call, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, come to us. And I trust that as we hear Elizabeth sing, we'll be able to use it as a prayer for this Christmas. I know I need Emmanuel. And I want to encourage us quietly and silently to pray as we listen. Would you be Emmanuel in my heart? Would you deliver me from the sin all around me, what I find in my own heart, that we may know Christ amongst us this Christmas? Thank you very much. <laughs> 